I don't want to visit every pizzeria in New York. There's so much bad, mediocre pizza in New York City. People have this misconception that, Ameri that New York City is this great pizza town. It, it is a great pizza town, but like the average slice is not great. A native New Yorker raised on giant slices from the south shore of Long Island turned a missed deadline into a cottage industry. That is, tasting and writing about hundreds of slices of pizza every year, mostly in the five boroughs of New York City. How a copy editor became the pizza cowboy, the story behind Instagram's NYC Best Pizza, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to our first show of 2020. It is great to have you along with us this year. Happy New Year to everybody. Hope you had a great New Year's. Uh, maybe you got some new pizzas to try. Um, I know I am constantly on the on the lookout for pizza. I'm actually heading out to Palm Springs in about a week or so. If anybody has any suggestions in the Palm Desert or Palm Springs area, please let me know um, on, on social media, either at Pizza City USA or, or Steve Delinsky, because I'm really at a loss. Uh, I'll probably hit uh, Pisana again in Brentwood because I'm going to go to LA for a weekend, but uh, boy, would love to know about Palm Springs. Anyway, let's move to the other side of the country, to New York City. And as you probably know, the last uh, year, we actually turning one year right now, this is our one year anniversary, we have been focusing on pizza makers, pizza cooks, pizzaiolos, what have you. And we've never really talked to anybody in the pizza industry outside of sort of working in the kitchen. And that brings us to this show today. Arthur Bovino is our guest. And I met Arthur, gosh, a couple of years ago at this point, doing some press for my book, Pizza City USA. And I, I met him in New York. And um, you know, I knew that I would, I would have issues with New York writers ha having written a book about Chicago um, and if I didn't go to New York City. And so, therefore, I had gone to about 58 places in New York City. And sure enough, when I met Arthur, the first thing he said was kudos and respect um, for actually taking the time to hit a lot of the places. Because I know a lot of people in New York even don't go outside their comfort zone and end up spending all their time in one borough. And so we hit it off immediately because he had seen that I'd done the legwork. I had seen his work, and he certainly does legwork. Um, the guy is, uh, he's busy. Uh, he, first of all, I wrote a book, Buffalo Everything, A Guide to Eating in the Nickel City, and it made me want to go to Buffalo um, and do a lot more than eating pizza and beef on whack. There's so many, and of course, wings, a uh, lot going on in Buffalo, but he's got a great book out called Buffalo Everything. Um, but the reason we're talking today is a couple things. Thepizzacowboy.com is where he is sort of a repository of all of his pizza writings. And he documents them pretty much every day on, on Instagram, um, which is NYC Best Pizza. And if you think you know anything about New York City pizza, man, you know nothing until you see what Arthur produces on a, on a weekly basis. Um, he's also the guy behind the Daily Meal's 101 Best Pizzas in America. And this is kind of the, the backstory that we're talking about today on the show, how he got into this and how he became the pizza cowboy. 
Um, so I'm going to, without any further ado, let's get right into it. I met him in Williamsburg, Brooklyn recently. Uh, we met at Leo for some Roman slices. First of all, Arthur, I know you're fighting a cold, so thanks for coming out here to Brooklyn to meet me. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> a little raspy, then there you go. Tell me about your first pizza memory. Uh, it's probably Violetta's on the south shore of Long Island, no longer around, but it was a overly saucy, overly cheesy, but very thin crust New York City slice. Those L-shaped L Formica booths and tables and uh, paper plates that had the grease strip and... Uh, to me, that's the slice that whenever somebody asks me, what are you judging against? That's the one that I, the first one that I really remember. So did you have any kind of experience like uh, professionally where you're like working at a pizza restaurant? How did you get into this world where you're writing about pizza all the time? I shouldn't publicize this, but the truth of the matter is the re reason and way that I got into pizza was because I was late missing a deadline. Uh, I was the former, formerly the executive editor for the Daily Meal where I was in charge of making sure everybody else was making their deadlines, but somewhere along the way I had a piece where we were going from 33 best pizzas in America to 50, and I missed the deadline, and I said, well, you know, the reason why I'm, I haven't made this deadline is because I was actually going to do 101, and I didn't let you know. It was going to be a surprise, which was a lie. So, again, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but uh, that created the 101 best pizzas in America for the Daily Meal, which I've now done for almost a decade. And, you know, it just, it became um, this thing where I didn't just write about pizza. I would talk about the most recent best affordable uh, omakase that had opened in New York City or the casual, best casual restaurants across the country. But I became obsessed with visiting the places that I'd actually been writing about. You know, I think one of the things that you'll find with a lot of uh, these lists across the country is that people will, you know, have geographical, ge geographic diversity for the sake of it. Um, they will uh, list places they've never been to. You've got interns creating these lists a lot of the time. And, you know, I was really proud of the fact that our list um, was based on a large number of panelists across the country and that I had visited more and more of these places over the years. So it went from, you know, how many did I visit? Oh, it was 30 to out of 101 to I have almost visited, I think there's 211 places that have been featured in the list over the course of eight years and I visited at least half of those. It's just become a point of pride and obsession. This year it's gotten crazy. Year after year, I kind of wonder how many slices have I actually eaten? How many places have I actually eaten? You know, I thought, I, I think Scott is probably responsible for this. Also, Scott Wiener of Scott's Pizza Tours. I think he saw, I saw a figure where it said he eats like 700 or 800 slices a year or something like that. And I was like, well, I wonder how many do I actually eat? So I counted this year and I've kept track of the number of places. And I think I've eaten at least 600 slices at, uh, I think it's 250 pizzerias but only 170 into, like ones that aren't repeats. So I've been at least 170 different pizzerias this year in Detroit, uh, Boston, um, Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, New York, you know. Uh, New Haven. New Haven, yep. Uh, this is really what it's all about, right? Getting sort of the street cred and the sort of logging the time and having the eating experience. Because as you know, like when I did the Chicago book, I came to New York and I ate at 60 places. And I think it's so important. A lot of people don't actually have boots on the ground. And that's really how you learn about not only just what kind of styles of pizzas there are, but like who's actually good and who's not. See, this is one of the reasons why I respect what you've done. Not to, I know that you've, you've already sent me the check, so we're all good. But, um, you know, actually coming to New York and going to a lot of these places, uh, like I said, you know, a lot of these lists, if you've written, if you've been in media, you know how some of this sausage has been created. And pizza makers know also. Um, they, they, they know which lists are legit, which ones aren't, which writers are legit, which ones don't know what they're talking about. 
um, Instagram, you know, you'll see somebody that comes out and says, well, this is the best pizza I've ever had. Well, where have you been? You know, and when, the last three posts that you wrote were also the best pizza that you ever had. So, you know, what, what is it? And so when you had this uh, sort of by accident thing with the, the deadline, when was that? That was circa like 2012. It's also the Instagram. So let's talk about NYC Best Pizza. Um, constantly posting. I don't know how you do this. You're the hashtag Pizza Cowboy. Uh, and you'll, you'll break down a place and one day you're in Long Island and then you're in Queens and then you're in Brooklyn. And um, tell me about your process. Well, like what you were saying in terms of your visiting to New York and hitting all these places, I think when I, when I saw your list also, I, I also kind of in the back of my head was like, okay, well, how many of these places have I actually been to? And I am an obsessive, I'm, I'm compulsive and crazy in a way. Um, I went through, I think, of like 70 or 80 different lists, uh, and I found if, that were saying which were the best pizzerias in New York City. And I came up with a list of like, I don't know, 200 places that had been featured over the years. Um, and I said, well, I'm going to go to as many of these places that are relevant. You know, where are the holes in my own game in my backyard? Um, and there are places that people have talked about as being amazing that you go to, and they're not. Uh, it happens so often, right? They have like the sacred cows, like Chicago would be Giordano's and Uno's and Douay's, um, and, and people talk about it, and the tourists go there, and I, I don't understand why they go there. Yeah, part of it has to do with nostalgia, part of it has to do with point of pride, neighborhood pride, part of it has to do with, you know, your pizza cognition theory, the original slice, that's where they've been going all these years. Also, people like to, you know, be proud of the fact that they know a place that's under the radar or not known, and uh, they've got one up on you. You know, I mean, I was recently in Detroit, and somebody was like, oh, well, I went to 17 places, and they said, well, have you been to Tomatoes of Pizza? And Tomatoes of Pizza is Detroit's New Haven-style joint. And, like... Yeah, sure. You know, maybe it's better New Haven style than is actually in New Haven. And I don't want to be narrow-minded in terms of my focus on a pizza landscape. I don't want to get into Detroit right now, but I, I, you know, because I would rather talk about NYC Best Pizza for a few seconds. But you know, I, am I going to Detroit first for New Haven style pizza? And if I, am I really missing something by not having the Detroit for? I mean, you can have that conversation. But like, I'm there to check out the Detroit pizza scene. So if I'm gonna, you know, if I have time to do a New Haven style pizza, great. But like, that's not my primary focus. Man, you really dove deep in Detroit, by the way. You were 17, all Detroit style? No, not all Detroit style. Uh, mostly Detroit style. I mean, I was visiting with um, the founders of a lot of these different places, uh, the, the OG places. So like a Buddy's and a Nicky's and a Louie's and, uh, and whatnot. But then also trying to see like, what is the Detroit landscape outside of the square pies? Are there things that people don't know locally and nationally? Because that's part of the thing too, you know, being legit, boots on the ground. Like if I'm gonna write something about the Detroit style, the Detroit pizza scene, I wanna know it as well or better than people that are there because who am I, this interloper coming in, New York City Best Pizza, talking about the Detroit pizza scene? I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm just going to say Mark from the Detroit Free Press and Brenna Hauck from Eater uh, as well to try and get their insight into what's going on. And, uh, you know, I mean, I found some crazy stuff that even, you know, locals don't know that, like, for instance, if you go to Louis, which is Louis worked with uh, Gus at Buddy's originally, and Gus Guerra is the one that created Detroit-style pizza at Buddy's. Um, You'll see occasionally people will take butter pats and they will put them on their Detroit style pizza and let the butter melt. And all of a sudden they're, instead of a butter burger, it's a butter slice, basically. You know, I started asking people around, have you ever done this? You've ever heard of this? No, you know, and it's, I think it's a thing that's specific to Louis.
Enough of the 313. I want to go 718 and, and 212. So NYC Best Pizza, how do you, you're walking down the street, you have a day job, I'm guessing. Um, well, I'm a freelance writer, so that's how some of this happens. Okay, so how do you decide, this is the place I'm going to post on Instagram and really talk about it in, in detail today. Um, part of the thing that I really take a lot of pride in in terms of doing with NYC Best Pizza is to give more than, you know, a point score or something. I don't do that. I don't see how that's really valid or valuable. My way of, of approaching this is also, I'm sorry, but one bite, everybody knows the rules. You, you, if you know the rules, then you know you can't really evaluate a pizza based on one bite. I, I would argue you could make an, a, I can evaluate a pizza based on how it looks before I even taste it. I don't need one bite. That guy needs one bite. Good for him. I don't need a bite. Um, I will evaluate pizza based on two bites at least. Like I know this is a shtick, but you have to taste the actual pizza, and then you need to taste the crust. Besides the fact that you're never going to get just one bite watching that guy. He's always like six or seven in, or finishes the slice. Anyway, enough about somebody else. Uh, I did the same thing, by the way. In Chicago, I would do like the tip and then the heel. I mean, you have to. So talk about your process. So you look at the pizza. That's the first thing, and then you're taking at least two bites. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm evaluating the pay the place based on relevance. So. Queens, you know, all the boroughs, Brooklyn, Staten Island, Manhattan, the Bronx, the places that people are saying are the most uh, valuable, the, the best ones to go to, handicapping that against recommendations from people. So I really do take a kind of obsessive approach to this. Um, places and, and like Adam Kuban, your colleague? Yep, Adam, I mean, Adam is the OG. I mean, he's been doing this for forever, and if you don't know who Adam is, you need to go back to the early Serious Eats slice days and read some of the pieces. And most often, that's also what will happen. You know, I'll refer back to as many any of these expert other posts as I can to inform myself and talk to the pizzaiolas, pizza people when I get there. Most of these guys hate being called pizzaiolas. They like to be called pizza cooks or pizza chefs or pizza guys or pizza girls or whatever. I'll refer back and when I find a place that hasn't been talked about by Adam, sure, I will take a, you know, there's a little bit of pride, but I also start to wonder if I'm not off the deep end at this point, you know, looking at some of these places because if Adam uh, and Scott or, um, you know, Jason Ferriman from I Dream of Pizza haven't been there, or you know, even Slice Harvester. You know, you, you may be off the deep end. But you know, Slice Harvester, I'm going off. I'm going off the deep end with this answer. But I mean, Slice Harvester, if any for people don't know, was a book where this guy basically like went to every pizzeria in Manhattan and got a whole bunch of press about it um, to try and find the best slice. And he eventually decided it was New York Pizza Suprema. I don't want to visit every pizzeria in New York. There's so much bad, mediocre pizza in New York City. People have this misconception that, Ameri that New York City is this great pizza town. It, it is a great pizza town, but like the average slice is not great. And so, you know, that's part of why I've been doing what I've been doing. I'd like to find like the top 25 slices in each borough uh, and then really have like a list of 100 or 125 places. Those are the places that you should go to. I'm going to give you total credit because I'm going to have him on a future show as Philomena. Tell me about this place. How did you find it and, and what is so remarkable about it? So there's also this very tightly knit, I'm sure you know this, pizza community, so especially on Instagram. Sirhan, who is of Boston Pizza, um, recently, he told me about this place, and so you get word of mouth recommendations, and I had this happen to me two or three years ago where somebody was telling me, listen, you gotta go to New Jersey, you gotta go check out this place, it's called Raza, it's, you're crazy if you don't go, it's the best pizza I've ever had. I get so many of these recommendations that, you know, I have to take them with a grain of salt a lot of the time, and then of course, you know, two years later, Raza is the best pizzeria in New York City. And I'm like, God damn it. I, I should have just gone and taken the wreck. But I mean, I have so many of them. So when, when I heard from about three or four people in the span of, uh, I'd say, five weeks about this place, Philomena's, 
I had to go check it out in Queens. I was damned if I was gonna let the same thing happen to me where I didn't know. And I was very skeptical because across the street I'd been told about another place, Sunnyside Pizza, which is also amazing. And you gotta go check this place out. And I got there, it was a screen baked pie. It was floppy, the crust was, you know, the sauce was no good. And uh, so I went into Filomena's and I had, you know, Dave Acuchella, he's worked with Polly. He's worked at a bunch of other pizzerias. He worked with Massimo but, um, at uh, Linda Street here in, in Brooklyn. He really is focused on squares. The squares were really good, like really, really good. But what I was blown away by was the New York style slice. And he does a personal version, which I never judge pies based on personal sizes. I just always feel like you have to get a large because the ratios go all off. And my mind is crazy like that and I'm a crazy person. But I feel like if you're gonna get a slice and you're gonna compare it to other New York City slices, you should get the same size that he's offering. So he does a New York City slice and it's just got this beautiful airy cornichon. It's just, you know, the crust is super thin. There's absolutely no gum line. It's almost like the perfect, that ratio, whenever I think of, I want crust to sauce to cheese for a New York City slice and I want that meld. You know where the sauce and the cheese kind of come together and they're not one thing or the other, they're kind of this new thing. It's got all of that. It just had, you know, the right bite that around the tongue, cheesy, saucy, salty feeling that you get. And you know, all of a sudden I was trying to think back like, what's the best slice I've had in the last, you know, six months or a year that's as good as this one. And I went to Shackamaxon in Philly, like my mind went there. And then I just hopscotched back in time to my cognition slice. I'm not saying it's the best slice in the world, but like it triggered that kind of thought process. And for somebody like me who goes around eating as much pizza as I do, and I don't have that experience when I have it, it's pretty special. And you always get a cheese just to compare apples to apples. I feel like you need to, you know, I mean, I'll go off, I'll say cheese, pepperoni, if I'm feeling like, I mean, I want to see what else they're doing, sausage, because I'm interested in the sausage crumble versus the medallions, how that plays into things. Uh, but really, it's cheese and pepperoni, which drives people crazy because when I order a cheese pie, especially with my wife or family members, people want toppings. They don't want to just have a plain cheese. So, you you know, you have to do like a half and half or something, but then you can't do half and halves with certain kinds of pie. It's like, you know, it's, it's crazy. interesting because in Chicago, of course, the first choice would be a sausage and then maybe a pepperoni and then a cheese. But anyway. Even, um, with, even, even with thin crust? Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Chicago's All right. Chicago's next next year. Chicago's next year. Good, good. I can't wait to take you on. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna keep talking with Arthur Bovino, NYC Best Pizza, about where we're sitting right now. And then we're gonna preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. How crazy is it to think you can actually have your insurance company pay you to walk? United Healthcare isn't crazy. They just want you to be healthy. One of their programs is called United Healthcare Motion, where members can earn more than a thousand bucks a year toward their health reimbursement account just for walking. If your company works with United Healthcare, ask your friendly HR person about their programs. And if not, go tell them to switch today. Go to uhc.com/illinoismotion to get more information. United Healthcare, a proud supporter of the Illinois Restaurant Association and committed to your good health. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Arthur Bovino today, the man behind uh, the Instagram handle NYC Best Pizza. You've grown that handle quite a bit over the last year, haven't you? Yeah, I started out at uh, 3,000 followers at the beginning of the year, and now we're at um, almost 15,000. So over the course of the year, it's been really interesting. How often are you posting new stuff? I try and post every day. Um, you know, if I have a trip like I just recently did where I go to Detroit, 
I don't want to pr pr create content that's not quality content. So if I can get something up that's quick, I will. But I usually want to try and contextualize everything that I'm writing about, whether or not that's something that's a crazy person would do. I do, but I, I want to make sure that what I'm saying is, you know, when this place came around, who it was started by, the important information, just kind of contextualize stuff. So I can't really do that on the fly as much. So contextualize where we're sitting right now at a window counter in Brooklyn on Havemeyer and Grand. So this is a really interesting uh, area in Williamsburg because, you know, uh, it was for a while you had Emmy Squared out here and they were considered kind of in the boondocks closer to the bridge. And now you have within the five block or six block radius, Massimo from Lindustry, which many people consider the best slice, not in just Brooklyn, but in all of New York City. Um, you also have Frank Bonello's Best Pizza a couple of blocks away. You also have... Uh, Joe's, which has now opened up its Williamsburg location over on Bedford, a couple blocks away. So, I mean, we've got this little little mini, you know, pizza five points kind of place here. But we're we're in Leo, by the way, not Leo's Pizza in Astoria, not Leo's Pizza in Astoria, which I haven't been to. Have you been there? No, but I was when looking you up. You said meet me at Leo, and I'm like Leo's Pizza. And it's not. There's no such thing. I was like, oh no, Steve's going to end up being in uh, in Astoria, and I'm going to be like, uh. I don't know Leo's, but while you're over there, you should go over to Rosario's Deli and check that out. I don't know what to tell you. But we're at Leo. What is Leo? So Leo is this offshoot of, uh, of uh, the Ops Pizza Guys. And Ops has basically been this pizzeria that's got a cult following, um, naturally fermented dough. Uh, they're known for their rounds, but they also do a square that people have talked about. And it's been confounding me because I haven't been able to get there over the past couple of years uh, just because of... There are hours and, you know, having a kid or whatever. But this is, uh, this is their offshoot here in Williamsburg. It's not an exact, it's, you know, it's an offshoot, but it's not exactly the same thing as what they're doing, to my understanding, at Ops. Uh, they have a takeout area where you can sit down also and get slices, but they also have um, a dining room that uh, is doing rounds, round pies. So I'm going to come back and do the round pies when they're open. They're not open for lunch right now. So we have these little squares. <clears throat> they're kind of the same height and maybe as a grandma, but they're not as crispy. Um, and they've got a little bit of crumb in the middle, which I find pleasant. We had a mushroom and then one with fresh mutts. Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting. This is, we had the Neapolitan craze across the country. We've had the Detroit craze that's gone across the country. We've also now had this uh, Roman invasion. Uh, and that's that's what we're looking at here. Um, squares that uh, are... This is, this is my boogaboo, but you're, I know that slices are meant to, you could argue New York slices are meant to sit around in a display, and that's their, you know, I'll wait for a fresh pie, you can do the same thing here. But the whole thing about uh, Roman pizza is that it's designed to, like, sit and wait, and then you get a reheat. And to me, that's always an inferior pizza. And it's interesting, the, the bonchi that we have in Chicago, which is based on pizzarium in Rome, is a much higher crumb than this, and it's probably crisp, it's a little bit crisper. I know Roman pizza is supposed to be crispy. Um, this is... It doesn't feel like the Bonchi at all. I mean, I have. That's another place I haven't been to Bonchi. I'm, I'm. Uh, I think part of my insecurity over not having been there gets my hackles up about the fact that they've opened in Chicago first, and now they're opening, I think, in Miami or New Orleans. And Miami and New Orleans. Yeah. And the other weird thing about in terms of Roman style in New York, I always thought it was just PQR and Monty and Pasta. Yes, but it's the other people have them and are doing things that are inspired by them. If you go out to. Um, King Umberto's in Long Island, for instance, which is one of the places that is known as originating the grandma slice. Um, Giovanni Shea is doing a, uh, a a pie that's really worth going to check out, and it's a it's a metro. He calls it the metro, and it's a Roman-inspired pizza. 
um, that he's making his homemade from homemade fresh mozzarella for. But Roman Altaglio, as you know, is Roman by the cut, and so like at Bonchi, they will cut it, cut it with scissors, and then you weigh it. But PQR, money and pasta, yeah. all these like, here, yeah, they don't really do that. Size. There's a pre-cut size. I'll throw a little dig there. I know maybe part of the reasons why they've invest opened it first in Chicago is because they have an investor from Chicago. But hey, Bonchi, why don't you come try out New York? <laughs> what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Talk about pizza styles. You eat so many different types of pizza. You said 600 or so plus uh, slices. Um, when I was doing research for the book, I found at least nine or 10 styles um, in Chicago. I find in New York, it's basically New York slice, grandma, Sicilian, artisan, Neapolitan. Do you agree, disagree? Uh, I agree with a couple of caveats. I, I am, I, I'm still working on this, but I kind of am of a believer that Queens has its own style of pizza. Um, it's a subset, but like their slices are, are frequently s- saucier, like more saucy than they should be and cheesier, more cheesy than they should be. If you go to two of the representatives that I think are most iconic in Queens, Gloria and um, Amore, those are super cheesy slices. I'm also starting to notice with a lot of those places, as with you know the generic average place in New York, there are a lot of screen-baked pies. And you know... Talk about that. And you and I had this back and forth with another guy, Joe Rosenthal from Minneapolis, about this. I had screen baked pies in Fedia in Philadelphia, which I was really surprised. That's basically baking on a, a very tightly knit metal screen. Yeah? Yeah. I, you know, some of them are more tightly knit than others, and that's what I was going to say. The Queen's ones are almost like pinpricks. If you look at the screen, it's almost like a screen door, the one that you ran through as a kid by accident when you didn't realize, right? Like that, it's that tight. Um, a lot of the pies that you see, uh, it's more like a diamond that's almost like a half an, like quarter of an inch you know, wide or whatever. Listen, you can make a good pie on a screen. You can use a screen and be a good pizza guy. I think that there's more of an art, an art to doing it without that. I have tasted pies that were good, that were cooked on screens. I think if you're using the screen as a tool and not a crutch, that's the differentiation factor for me. In a lot of places, they default to the screen. And so when I see that mark on the undercarriage, you know, maybe I'll taste it. I mean, I'll taste the pie, but like I, I'm going to know before even tasting it. How do people say, how do you know it's not going to be good? I'm like, well, I lift it up, I take a look, and I'm like, no, it's probably gonna not going to be good. Right, you see what we call fish scales. Yeah, right. And so I saw this in Montreal um, at uh, Michele Forgione's new place. And they're like the only place, the first place in Quebec to have a Marsal with a stone deck. And I was like, why aren't you just baking it on the deck? And he's like, well, he likes it with the screen. He likes the flavor. I'm like, that's because he had it as a kid, maybe. I'm like, I, I said, I, I respectfully disagree. You're going to have, it's not going to be as great a bake, right? Because you're putting something in between the dough and the surface, the hot surface. So you're not going to get as much, uh, there's a term that the guys use, uh, spring, uh, oven spring for in, the, in the dough when it hits because it's removed from the heat. You're putting something in between them. So you're not going to get as much crispness. Do you think uh, to write about pizza, to talk about pizza, you have to know how to make pizza? Like I I see on Instagram, I see Jonathan Porter from Chicago Pizza Tours, Scott Wiener from Scott's Pizza Tours. Uh, They're always messing around with bread at home and they're fermenting it. I don't do that. I don't have time, but God bless them. I mean, what do you think about that philosophy or opinion about pizza people? Man, Steve, this is a slippery slope. I mean, you know. <laughs> Did I touch on a nerve? No, no, I mean, like, you know, if you look at Adam of Slice and, and Margot's, he's, he's got a pizza pop-up. I mean, he got bitten by the bug. Scott, you know, he's always messing around with pizza. I, I haven't talked to him about this, but there's a, there's a part of me in the back of my head that, that thinks, like, 
deep in our hearts, you know, if money was not an issue, maybe we'd all have a pizza, we'd all t- be trying our hand at this. Um, is this a way of being involved without committing 100% to putting your life on the line in terms of your livelihood and your, you know, your finances to be able to, 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 to be in this? And it's such a hard business. I mean, it's so hard. Even Dom DeMarco, somebody who's famous now in New York City, you know, he toiled in obscurity for, you know, at least two decades before Eric Asimov wrote a review about him and everybody said everybody crazy about it. I was at Tafara. Yeah, Tafara. So I worked at the New York Times for six years as a news assistant before I went to culinary school. I was suggested to me that I should go specialize in something. And I decided to go specialize in food, knowing that I was going to go to culinary school or work in restaurants, not to do that permanently, but to have that background to go and write about them. And, you know, part of me, I'm more, there are people that have done that. Um, There are also a lot of people that just write stuff. And some of them are good, some of them are bad. I think it can't hurt to be informed, you know, about the processes. Uh, Would I say that you know, spending the money to go to Pizza Academy out in California to learn how to be VPN trained or whatnot is necessary for you to write or talk about pizza? No. All right, last question. Um, I ask all the pizza makers, pizza guys, pizza chefs this question. Um, Knowing what you know now, you know, what kind of advice would you give yourself before you open the business? And I guess it, it applies to you too, knowing what you know now about this business, about monetizing content, about creating content. And you create a shitload of content. What would you tell yourself, you know, before you did this daily meal and the best pizzas and, and, and the NYC best pizza about getting into this part of the business? Uh, I would say one of the things that I've struggled with over the past couple of years is that I've I've done a lot to build up other people's businesses uh, and other their their reputations. Uh, so I, one thing I would have told myself is maybe, hey, what about starting earlier, building up your own stuff, because uh, people are able to do that now much easier with the platforms that they have. I spent a lot of time working for the man. Working for the man. So yeah, that's great advice. Okay, where do you want people to go to read more about your stuff? Uh, they can go to thepizzacowboy.com. I put all of the posts up, or as many as I can, given time restrictions of trying to post on Instagram or at NYC Best Pizza. Fantastic. Arthur Bovino, thanks so much for coming out. I appreciate you with fighting the cold and everything, talking with me here at Leo. Good luck with everything. Thanks, Steve. I got my little radio voice going on there, so maybe that works out. And I'm going to hold Arthur to his promise about coming to Chicago this year. 2020 better be the year because I've got about 15 places for him to visit. Uh, He'll probably do them all in in two days. All right, coming up in two weeks, a return to trip to Sin City where we sit down with the godfather of Las Vegas pizza. And yes, if you listen to our show with Vincent Rotolo from December 20th, you'd know that Vegas is a serious pizza town now. Our primary style is based on a New York style still, but I do a Roman style margarita, which is a very thin crust, crispier margarita. I do uh, Sicilian, which is kind of our... The thing that we've become most well known for, even though it's it's not our biggest seller, New York style is still our biggest seller, but the Sicilian, because of the process, is what we're really known for in industry-wide. John Arena, the founder of Metro Pizza, shares the secret behind his five-day Sicilian that looks like a brick, but eats like a feather. His words. That's in two weeks on January 17th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram. And for more info about the book and our weekly tours, you can visit us at PizzaCityUSA.com. And again, I'm on all social media at Steve Dolinsky with a Y. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And next time you're in Chicago, check out Revival Food Hall in the Loop, where Palermo's 95th is currently baking at Southside Chicago Thin Pizzas for the next few months. Extra beef and jardinier, please. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy New Year. And here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always. Thank you.